4: such a fascinating topic for me. Trailblazing women in art, in sports, in surgery. It was so exciting for me to learn. Billie Jean King, I knew how great she was. I never realized that the women's tour she started was sponsored by a cigarette company, Virginia Slims, and how the whole idea of the tobacco company, Philip Morris specifically, Designing a cigarette that would be just for women. Make it thinner and longer, more elegant for women. I mean, they're in the marketing business. And then they go and market, this is way back in 1970, the women's tennis tour. Because cigarettes were not a big bugaboo then, as they are now. Who knew? But Billie Jean King recognize that she may not like cigarettes they may not be healthy for you but if they're going to give her the freedom to start a women's tour why not it's, it's not just about her it's about changing the world and giving women a, a seat at the table just like the men had and in the research of all right who's a trailblazing woman in the world of music someone who absolutely came out of nowhere in my research was Carol Kay. And I did not know that just about every song I grew up loving, every TV show I loved the theme music for, they they believe she was involved with over 10,000 recordings as a session musician. I've been an orthopedic surgeon for 32 years, I know what 10,000 or something's like because I've done over 10,000 surgeries. That's a lot. She's everywhere, and her name was Carol Kay. Listen to Brian Wilson talking about Carol Kay.
3: Well, Carol played on Good Vibrations in California Girls, and she was like the star of the show. I mean, she was the greatest bass player in the world, Ooh. and she was way ahead of her time. She would play a tonic in a fifth or a third instead of a fifth, You know, she was one of the first bass players to start playing that way.
2: But he definitely wrote out some neat lines on the bass, like for instance, I'd have never played that.
4: Now you're gonna be hearing Glenn Campbell, who also played in the Wrecking Crew as a guitar player on Good Vibrations. But Carol Kaye was the only woman in that room that Phil Spector had put together, which is where Brian Wilson discovered her.
2: I'll just go into this. Now that, that's a jazz walking line. You knew that this kid was into something really, really great.
3: The room had a spirit to it, with Hell being the, the leader, you know, and all the guys working together and thumping and pumping. He would get things like he wanted to hear them, and when he got them that way, it was good. When I heard good vibrations the first time on the radio, I just it just blew me away
5: softly smile i know she must be kind.
4: how did her
2: career start listen to her in her own words i was playing uh, from, from about 1949 on and i was about 14 i went to work playing music like this kind of stuff goodman stuff And and I was making a name for myself, you know, and a a fellow walked in the jazz club where I was playing in, in 1957. They said, you want to do a record date? And I didn't want to because I knew that if I did record dates, it would hurt my place in jazz. It would hurt your
4: place in jazz, but session musicians made a better living.
2: And I was getting pretty, pretty well-known well in jazz and everything, and I didn't want to play rock and roll. But I went and did the date because I needed the money. And it was for, for Sam Cooke. And I listened to him on the way there, and I heard that "Darling, you send me. And I knew that he he uh, he, he, he he sung real good. And so I did the Summertime and, and some other hits with him. And then I did Richie Valens and boom, ba, boom, 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 boom,
4: You know, that kind of stuff. And how did she become a bass player after being the guitar player?
2: I got on a date at Capitol Records in 1963, and um, uh, the bass player didn't show up. So they gave me the bass to play, and it was at a time that I was kind of tired of playing uh, uh, this kind of stuff. Like... I was kind of tired of that, and the the dinky rock and roll stuff and all that. So I got kind of tired of that. But as soon as I picked up the bass and started playing it, okay, then I could play like this.
4: That was more fun. That's the key. That was more fun. That was the freedom that she so wanted. And when she picked up that bass, she brought the guitar pick with her. And that's why she sounds so pure, because she's got that pick. Nobody else played the bass with a pick. One thing led to another. Phil Spector, the greatest music producer of the time, brings her into the studio.
0: Spector utilized K on both guitar and bass. Her contributions on guitar were essential to 1964's You've Lost That Love and Feelin' by The Righteous Brothers. The same year that she recorded Good Vibrations, Kay was on another one of her most famous sessions, Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking. These boots are made for walking,
6: and that's just what they'll do. One of these days, these boots are gonna walk all over you.
0: Most of the time, Kay played lines written for her, but when she started to have some freedom with writing her own lines, the results were pretty impressive. And
4: that was with Sonny and Cher, who were the biggest things going in the late 60s, early 70s, but this is where her inventiveness comes in. In
0: 1967, she found herself on a session for Sonny and Cher's The Beat Goes On. The bassline of that song just wasn't sticking, so Kay started fooling around with her own and came up with the iconic bassline that drives that song.
2: The beat goes out. The beat goes boom. 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 A boom, 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 boom. The drum keeps pounding
5: real
4: But the biggest hit was I Got You Babe.
0: And that wasn't the only hit that she did with Sonny and Cher. She also played guitar on I Got You Babe.
4: Give them women the power to be free. She had that freedom and changed the musical world. We all benefited. What about in sports? You go to New York, you go to Forest Hills, to the tennis center for the U.S. Open, and it's got someone's name on it. Billie Jean King.
0: Well, I'm so so thrilled and honored to say that joining us here in our prime video studio is the holder of 39 grand slam singles and doubles titles ca- tireless campaigner Billie Jean King it is an absolute honor thank you for coming oh, to see us in, in this facility that is named after you know, I'm <laughs> so embarrassed when
7: I come in here and I look at my names up there and
0: I go oh I'm so
7: embarrassed But there's one word that comes to my mind always, it's responsibility. As soon as I see my name, I go, "Uh uh-oh, I have such responsibility.
4: Don't be embarrassed. You deserve every bit of it, Billie Jean King.
7: What it means is it's the first time, um, first of all, it's open to everybody, which is great because it's more inclusive, but, but allowed the pros to play for the first time. And it was the first time that we got money instead of, Zero or a gift voucher. So we became from amateurism to professionalism is really what it means, and that ha- that started in nineteen sixty-eight. And I and uh, you know Rod Laver won the first Wimbledon in nineteen sixty-eight. He got two thousand pounds, and I won the women's singles was seven hundred and fifty pounds.
4: When you're a trailblazer like Carol Kay, like Billie Jean King, it's in you. Other people walk away from the challenge. But for these folks, it's actually in their wiring. It's who they are. How did it start for Billie Jean King? It's in you as a
7: kid. When I was 9 years old, uh, on Mother's Day, we went to Wrigley Field in L.A. And as I was sitting there, it dawned on me that girls don't play baseball, only boys. And it, was not, it was not a happy day for me at all. So I really want to try to play tennis. Daddy and Mommy, can we just... Please, I gotta go get my racket. So we went to Brown Sporting Goods, and I read every tennis book, all three of them that I could find in the library. So I go out to the public park for my first instruction. And at the end of the day, I said to my mom, "Mom, I found out what I'm gonna do with my life. This is wow. it." That's amazing. I really love tennis. I don't like it. I love it. When I play, I feel I can do anything. I feel freedom. In 1968 was the first year that we actually got prize money. It didn't even dawn on me that we would get less. Rod Laver won Wimbledon. He got 2,000 pounds in 1968. And I got 750 pounds. And I went, You had the men starting to talk about an association or a union. And I went to them and I said, you're going to include the women, right? And they said, absolutely not. We don't want you get lost basically. Wow. And that is the birth of women's professional tennis. And our goal was we wanted any girl born in the world, if she is good enough, there's a place for her to play to make a living. A lot of people don't think we're going to make it. I had guys tell me that probably nobody would ever pay even a dime to watch us play.
4: Hmm. Here she sits down with Graeme Bensinger, who was a guest on our show in the past. He's great.
7: It wouldn't happen without the men uh, contract pros. Uh, I don't know if people realize, but like Labor missed five years, Poncho Gonzalez turned pro, contract pro um, at 19. So they didn't allow those players and they were the best players in the world, the men. We didn't have those opportunities. The men had the opportunities, but they helped because eventually Herman David at the at the All England Club, which is where Wimbledon's played, was getting upset. He realized that we didn't they didn't have all the best players playing at Wimbledon. It kind of they woke him up Mm. because every time somebody would win Wimbledon, they turned pro. They weren't coming back. Mm -hmm. In my heart and mind, of course, I wanted the men and women together. I always wanted us to be one association, be one union. The boys, the men, rejected us, and they're all my friends that I went dancing with, had dinner with. You know, all the my and that was hard to take because they didn't want to be with us because they want the money for themselves and all the opportunities, which I don't think it makes a better world. Uh, I'm pretty idealistic about that. I still am, uh, but that's the way it went. So we went to plan B, the women.
4: Plan B, go get a cigarette company to sponsor tennis.
7: Are you kidding? And that's when nine of us got together in 1970 and with Gladys Hellman and signed a $1 contract with Gladys Hellman. And she went out and got Virginia Slims. And of course I hate smoking. And then she got Virginia Slims and I go, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> And so she says, well, do you want a tour or not? And I have a contract with her. Uh, This is bigger than myself. I shut up. And they ended up being the most wonderful people I have ever worked with. Hmm. How can we go play? There's no tournaments. We had to go get people to promote a tournament, which is very high risk. It's extremely high risk. You can lose everything. Nobody had any idea what was going to happen. Right. We got we got people in all these cities so we could have at least a series, a Virginia Slim series it was called in the beginning because we didn't have it. And it was am- amazing oh, how, thinking back that this all actually unfolded and actually happened.
4: But it was not until September 20th of 1973 when she really changed the world as a true trailblazer, not just putting this tour together that could fail at any moment. She had to take on the men, and she took on Bobby Riggs. This changed the world forever.
1: There's no way
6: a woman can play tennis with a good man tennis player. This is a battle of the sexes.
7: Bobby Riggs, he was a former number one player. He'd won the triple crown at Wimbledon. We're only in our third year of women's professional tennis. We are in a very tenuous Position.
3: Hmm.
7: I started thinking about society and women and what this might mean. I knew I had to play. I knew I had to win.
4: She had to beat him.
7: Got drop shotted, I lobbed, I floated one, I went to net. I hit the ball as softly as I could so he had to generate all the power. And I was going to run him into
4: the ground. And she did. 1970. This guy's saying men are better than women. She beat him.
7: It wasn't about tennis. It was about history. It was about social change.
4: And she did it. My guest coming up next is a trailblazer, a woman in the world of food, gluten-free, the great Arnell McAtee. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
1: Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook "Know, know Your Knee", knee post. <laughs> One of the most complicated areas of the body: ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really, Doctor Clapper translates the language of your knee. Dr. on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Whoa. Simply type in "Weekend Warrior" in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow, your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better. Hello there. With the Weekend Warrior Facebook.
0: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and The Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings.
5: What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, seven ten. Home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
4: <laughs> wow. Listen carefully. That's Carol K playing the bass for Hogan's Heroes. just awesome, just an awesome woman trailblazing the world of music, the great Carol Kay. Speaking of trailblazing in a whole nother field, I'm joined now by the great Arnell McAtee. Thanks for getting up early to be with us.
6: You're welcome. (laughs) It's a pleasure. What do you
4: think of all this comparing you to Billie Jean King and Carol Kay?
6: Um... Completely not in their league, but whatever, <laughs> I'm I'm local.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you're local now, but tell us a little bit, Arnell, uh, before we get into how this all started in the food business for you, who are you? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you come from? What'd your father do for a living? And how did this all happen that you wound up in Ventura, California?
6: Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, Queens, and Long Island, New York. <laughs> And I decided when I was twenty five years old, when I finished my college education at University of Connecticut, that I was moving to California. <laughs> my father was a butcher wow and although he was a really brilliant man, he only went to the tenth grade because his dad had a heart attack, and all the sons had to go start to work and earn money for the family. But I used to go with my dad to the butcher shop and watch how he carved a piece of meat, and it was an art. And what I inherited from my dad was his engineering brain, just the way he would think about how things worked, Hmm. putting things together. He was amazing.
4: Wow. How many siblings, brothers and sisters?
6: Two sisters, one older, one younger. Let me repeat that. Two
4: sisters, one older, one younger. <laughs> <laughs> sisters. There's no R in that word. Like water. No. Forget about it.
7: Yep. Yeah. Water and coffee. <laughs> the more I'm
4: going to talk to you, the more my punctuation is going to go out the window. I love it. I'm proud of that. And we'll have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, you now move out to Ventura and you start a family and then you realize in your daughters or in yourself first that you have an intolerance to gluten, to wheat, to flour.
6: It really happened with my daughters first. Hmm. First child was born. When she became one year old, she was just covered with eczema. Hmm. That was a little strange to me. I didn't want to put the cortisone creams on, and I kept thinking there's something wrong. Hmm. Then I had my second child two years later, and when my first child was three years old, and my second child was 1 year old they both had eczema the mm. 3 year old it started to wane but the 1 year old flared up again mm. well i was very involved in an organization called the leche league which was a breastfeeding support for moms it was really amazing mm. and this older woman looked at me and said i have a feeling she might have some food allergies so that started me thinking okay well i've got to figure this out mm. So I read on some books, and I figured out how to put her on what you call an elimination diet. Mm. And I decided to actually put both daughters on it, just on a whim, because the older one was now having some central nervous system reactions, Mm. temper tantrums, violence, Mm. screaming, shaking. And then she'd go to sleep and wake up and not really remember. Mm. Well, my second child was uh, in a fog. She didn't have the tightness she had the brain fog mm. so i went through this elimination diet and at the time the oldest was 6 and the youngest was 4 years old and after 3 days my oldest child went through what i call now withdrawal system s- symptoms
3: mm.
6: she started begging and begging for bread in front of the refrigerator like having a full blown tantrum mm. and i thought oh my gosh she's just asking for a stupid piece of bread You know, maybe I'll give it to her. It's like I had one little character on the right shoulder and one on the left shoulder. Mm. No, don't give in. Stick this diet out. But she's only asking for bread. Well, I hung in there, Mm. and the next morning she was focused. She had a good night's sleep, and I thought, wow. Mm. So day by day, we added one food. We had like 11 foods we were going to introduce one at a time. I added one food at a time and monitored if she went to the bathroom, what her mood was like, temperament. Hmm. Well, on the day that I introduced wheat, which I made an organic whole wheat bread with no eggs, because that was one of the allergens. It was just as healthy as could be. There it was, full-blown tantrum. Hmm. So that started me thinking. There were several things that she was reacting to, but the wheat was huge. Hmm. So that's kind of how I started
4: Oh, my God. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you're doing this all by yourself. You just got to figure it out. Otherwise, you just plot along and you just keep making the same mistake. It's just awesome that you were blessed with the creativity to to look for an answer. That's just incredible.
6: Wow. Well, you know what? It, what happens when it's your child, you know? Yeah. Well, once once I figured out gluten was quite an issue for both children because it did calm the eczema down, then I thought, well, maybe I'll go on a gluten-free diet. I'm certainly not going to cook two different meals. Well, I did, and I already at age 42 at the time, I was getting arthritis in my hands, just like my mom. Hmm. I would, didn't have big knuckles at the time, but I hardly could bend my fingers anymore. I also had a shoulder that kind of froze up, it just was so painful even to cough. Well, I after I went on a gluten-free diet myself, they all disappeared, both of those things. And today, I'm almost 68. I have no arthritis. Everything's fluid, and I'm kicking my heels up with joy.
4: Wow. Well, tell us how you, Arnell McAtee, start being a businesswoman. All right? You helped your kids. You helped yourself. You saw the light. How do you now start a business?
6: Well, because my background is in teaching and prosthetics, mm-hmm. I had no business at all, no brain for business. But a friend of mine, well, there were several friends that were begging me to get my, I, well, I should back up a second. I started cooking for my family and it took me eight years to come up with a bread that really was pretty delicious. And friends started saying to me, those of us who are gluten sensitive, we have got to be able to eat that bread. you got to get that out there. <laughs> well, one friend of mine, Nancy, knew of a woman who owned a catering company. Hmm. And this woman hired somebody for the entire summer to try to come up with a gluten-free bread unsuccessfully. So she put me in touch with her, and that started my journey of just baking and that particular woman, who was the caterer, told me how to source my ingredients wholesale and do everything to cut my costs. So, and also that I had to measure with a scale when I'm cooking, not doing the eyeball thing. Because when you start cooking in quantity, things have to be precise. So she taught me quite a lot. And I just went to our local health food store, asked to speak to the manager, told him I had this bread, he tasted it, and he said yes. And that's what started it,
4: a wow. loaf of bread. I, mean, I got to play this soundbite for you because I can't interview Michelangelo. He's dead 500 years. I'm going to ant- ask you. And with your hearing and your brain, they call it happy accidents. But it's not necessary. Look at just what happened to you with Decatur looking for bread, and here you are trying to figure out how to sell bread. Listen to this soundbite. Tell me what you think is going on here.
0: The late 1950s saw Kay playing on all kinds of rock and roll, R&B, and soul records as a guitarist. And her success as a guitarist brought her to Capitol Records, where a happy accident would shift her career into new territory. Kay was at a session where the bassist never showed up, so she volunteered to take on the duties herself. She grooved well in the session and loved the instrument. In an interview with Louder Sound, Kay explained why she loved the bass so much. I dug being on the bottom of the band. It was my own little spot. I knew what to do and what to invent. She knew what to do and what to invent, but it's all a happy
4: accident. To some extent, that's got to happen, right? I mean, you kind of need luck to fall your way, but you also need to have that drive When everybody tells you this ain't going to work. Where did you get that determination to keep going?
6: Well, (laughs) if I had to pick one saying that has been my life's motto, Hmm. where there's a will, there's a way. Hmm. And I have lived with that since I was born. Hmm. That's how determined I am. Hmm. I don't give up. The
4: artfulness, though, in all of this, it's not so much, okay... I'm allergic to this. Don't eat it. But that's where the beautiful creativity comes from, where you have that, the the art of mixing different flowers. Tell us a little bit about the creativity and the artfulness of not just solving the problem, but actually turning it into an asset with, that other people, a gift that other people don't necessarily have.
6: Well, that is quite quite correct in order to see gluten is the protein in wheat and it's very stretchy and it's very satisfying to sink your teeth into and if you eliminate wheat which is the most popular form of gluten although barley rye and spelt are part of the same grass family if you eliminate that you've got to put your brain together to think What combination of things can I blend to achieve that texture? So if you think of the word flour, which just means something ground up very fine, you have your grains, which in the gluten-free world would be most commonly rice and oats and maybe millet. Mm -hmm. Then you have your nuts, your nut flour, like almond flour. You have your seeds, like flax and chia and hemp. And then you have your starches like tapioca, potato, and corn. And each one of those combines with each other in very special ways. So that's where the art comes in. Mm. When I was thinking about making a cake mix, I wanted to make a cake mix that didn't have sugar so the consumer could add whatever they wanted for sweetener, and I didn't want it to have a flavor because I wanted like a true chef, a true creative cook, will just take a flour And they'll just make it chocolate, lemon, anything they want. Mm. That's what I wanted to do. But cakes in the gluten-free world can be very dry. It's kind of like a piece of rice left in the refrigerator. It's Mm. like a rock. Mm. So I did research and found out that there was this root called cassava. And that's where we get tapioca from, by the way. Mm. But the whole root, when you grind it up and dry it, acts like a sponge. So it absorbs the moisture, and I thought, ah, that's what I'm going to stick in my cake mix. So I use some of that. So that's that's the kind of brain thinking behind the scenes that can achieve the exact texture that you want.
4: And where do you get this root? What farm is there? Is it in California, or does it come from someplace else?
6: It comes from someplace else. Hmm. It's grown mostly in South America because Hmm. of the weather patterns. So in the U.S. market, of course, you have to ask yourself, what is in the market here? What do I, do I have access mm-hmm. to? And I found a place where I was getting my products blended, you know, like these big ribbon blenders. This particular co-packaging facility started to import cassava flour. Mm. And so that's when I started playing with it and figuring out I could get it. Oddly enough, when I finished creating all of my five mixes which took a span of quite a few years, I decided I wanted to have my products be organic as well as gluten-free and mm. kosher. Mm. So, but there was no organic cassava flour in the entire United States. But there was another company just like mine, Mary's Gone Crackers. Mm. They were looking for organic cassava flour, and they're pretty big. So Mary told me, Arnell, they're starting to grow organic cassava flour. It took about three years, but then the U.S. started getting the organic cassava flour. Hmm. So now that was the last flour of organics that I needed to source, and voila, all of everything's all organic. <laughs>
4: I love it. And your stuff is all over the world now.
6: Well, that assumes it's in every household, and of course that's not the case.
4: <laughs> but, it's, it's, but you've shipped it to all, all of Europe, right, to Japan. To, it's all over.
6: Well, I went to big, huge trade shows and learned a lot about exporting. And my first export was actually to Iceland. Wow. And I sent a pallet of small mixes to go into their stores. And then I just kept at it. I've gotten an opportunity to ship a pallet of my products to Spain. Wow. And I regularly ship to Mexico, to this one amazing company in Monterey, Mexico, where they use my all-purpose flour to make cookies. That's a little interesting side story. I met them through the internet. They contacted me, and then I actually got to meet Rebecca. Mm. She came over to my house, and she was doing stuff in Mexico with no sugar, no gluten, and no dairy. Mm. So I baked five cakes with her, and each cake had a different sweetener, one being sugar and four being alternatives. And we tasted how they tasted, the color of it, because Sugar also makes things brown very nicely, Mm. not all sweeteners do, and it also gives the cake a rise, it lets it lift. Mm. So some of them were dense. And then she said to me, can we fly you to Mexico and come work in our kitchen and develop some recipes for us? And I said, yes. She flew me there, and in two days, I created 14 recipes, mostly for (laughs) a type of a cookie, Because she wanted to do her non-dairy yogurt, non-sugar yogurt, and put it in between cookies like a whoopie pie. Uh But when you freeze a cookie, it's hard like a rock, and that's not going to work. So I just looked around in her kitchen, in her commercial kitchen, and I saw a big tub of cashew nut butter under the sink, or under the little table. And I said, can I use that? She said, yes. So I added the cashew nut butter to the cookies. Let's it not freeze like a rock, but still gives it a little bit of a bite. But your teeth can go into it, and there you have it.
4: Oh my God, you're amazing, Arnell. Well, it's just, <laughs> you, I think it's doubly amazing because it's fantastic because it tastes great and all the stuff that you're using. But what makes it next level is it's also solving a problem. So you mm. you did the ultimate. God gave you lemon, and you made lemonade. You didn't just sulk about it. You actually turn it into an asset. It's a, it's, and that's what true success is in life. You don't just make a problem go away. You take the problem, and you make it into an asset. And that's what you've done. And it's an inspiring story, which is exactly what a trailblazer is. And that's what you are. So you know what? I am graduating you up to the level of Billie Jean King in sports <laughs> and Carol Kay in music. You belong at the table. You have a seat at that table. And being a woman, like I'm a man, I have no idea. I walk into it, everybody wants to shake my hand. It's different when you walk into that conference room and you're a woman. It's just different, it's harder. And, I mean, I, I'm president of the fan club right now, and I want to thank you so much. It, it, it's not so much about the food. It's inspiring that you can do something, and, and your motivation was to help your kids, and it's just such a beautiful story to hear for all other aspects of life. So thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, and I can't wait to taste this cashew butter cookie. I need to get one well, of these right away. come
6: over for dinner.
4: Right. <laughs> I would
3: love if it.
6: If your listeners are wondering about how they can go on a gluten-free diet or if they want to explore, my website under the diet information has that elimination Great. diet. They can just download and do it, and that's arnellsoriginals.com.
4: And how do you spell that?
6: A-R-N-E-L-S. Good. And the word originals with an S, okay. dot com.
4: Love it. All right, young lady, what a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it.
6: Thank you, Dr. Clapper.
4: Oh, my pleasure. That's the great Arnell McAtee. What a cool thing. Inspiring. And particularly if you're a woman listening, and I know there's a lot out there. Jean Crawford says you're listening on Saturdays. You may not be listening during the week. You should be very proud that she is amongst you, the women that changed the world. Coming up next, the the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And now I think I can tell you the secret that I've discovered in Pink's hot dog, the chili that Betty Pink came up with. And it has a little bit something to do with what Arnell McAtee told us. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
1: Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr.
5: Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Roberto Clapperio,
4: a fish tacologist.
5: Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I know
4: the ins and outs of a fish taco.
5: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
4: Another show that I loved McLean Stevenson One of the funniest people ever MASH Who's playing the music? Carol Kay There she is again Amazing Steve Pellet Welcome back Weekend Warriors What a show What I also love is where all the callers come from Let's take this one from Hesperia, wherever the hell that is. John in Hesperia, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help?
3: Good morning, Dr. Clapper. How you doing?
4: Let me guess. You get on the 10 and you just go east. That's pretty much the answer to every <laughs> question of how do you get to your house? Is that the is that the correct answer for Hesperia? Hey, close enough, Doc. <laughs> close enough, close enough. How <laughs> young are you? What do you do for a living and how can I help? So, I'm
3: um, actually calling about my daughter. Listening to you talk about all these women inspired me to, to uh, call you about my daughter. Uh, Four years ago, she was in a she was in an off-road accident, and she had a compound fracture in her upper right arm. Yes. Uh, which cut damage to her, her artery or her main blood flow down to her hand. Hmm. Uh, she recovered from that, but she never, um, she had uh, nerve damage in her hand.
4: Which nerve? And
3: she has no faint. Um, I, I don't know which exact nerve. So there are three there are three three
4: nerve three ner- what, first of all, how old are you? What do you do for a living? Me? Yeah. I'm I'm forty-five. And what do you and do I'm for a I'm a heavy equipment me? operator. You're a what equipment operator? Yeah, I'm a heavy equipment operator. Heavy equipment operator. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, there are three nerves that go into the hand. And the one's called the median nerve, one's called the ulnar nerve, and one's called the radial nerve. Each nerve has two functions, as many functions, but two main functions. One is to move your tendons and muscles, motor function we call it. And the other is feeling, sensation. So the pathway from your brain, hey, I want to move my thumb right now, that's the pathway going in one direction. But if you now touch a, cup, a hot cup of coffee with your thumb and you feel the heat, That's the other direction of the nerve. giving you information, sensation, if you will. So the Mm -hmm. sensation for the thumb, the index, the long, and half, just half, of the ring finger is the median nerve. What's the motor function for us to test that the median nerve motor function is working? It's making an okay sign. What's the second of the three nerves? It's the ulnar nerve. Sensation for the ulnar nerve is half of the ring finger, not the whole, but half, and the pinky, the little finger. What's the motor function that we test to see that your ulnar nerve is still working? I'll ask you to spread your fingers. The intrinsic muscles of the hand allow you to spread your fingers, and if there's weakness doing that, That's the ulnar nerve, or if there's numbness to the little finger and half of the ring finger. And finally, the third of the three nerves that go into your wrist and hand is the radial nerve. And this is the nerve, sensation is the back of your hand and extending your wrist. So when you talk about there was nerve damage, you can actually specifically figure out which of the three nerves, and they live in different areas as they come down your arm, past your elbow, and go into your forearm, your wrist, and your hand, you can determine where her injury was, what nerve is living there, and which one was injured. People with a broken arm, for example, oftentimes get paralysis to the radial nerve. Why is that? Because that nerve lives exactly exactly Coherent to the bone of the humerus bone, the arm bone. It literally lies right on top of the bone. And when you have a mid fracture of the humerus bone, you will get a radial nerve palsy. If you get elbow injuries, well, the funny bone nerve lives right under the skin at the elbow. That's the ulnar nerve. And you'll have numbness classically to the little finger and not be able to spread your fingers. So, how can I help you? Now you know a little bit more about how the nerves work to your wrist and hand
3: so they did exploratory surgery or uh, exploratory nerve research they found that there was no no extensive damage but she never recovered she doesn't have feeling in her thumb her index and her long finger and she can't she so, can't make the okay sign
4: and, and that's the median nerve so now you from this point going forward when people ask you what nerve damage you don't have to just say she had nerve damage you specifically can say it's the median nerve which by the way is the same nerve that we see at the end of the median nerve, and we call that carpal tunnel syndrome, when people are typing so much for a living, which we do now with the computers. Um, so it's the median nerve that is the, the injured nerve in your daughter. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and it happened four years ago, and she's just, the, the doctors told us that possibly would come back, and
4: it, and it just hasn't come back. And she had surgery and to explore wondering- it already. Yes. Hmm. You know there are certain doctors that I know and surgeons that I know that are truly miracle workers, from brain surgeons to heart surgeons. I I mean I've been at Cedars for thirty two years and uh, and I'm not politically correct. I'm supposed to say everybody's nice uh, that I well they're not and I'm gonna tell you and that's because I'm a New Yorker which is is in me. You know you meet a guy from Far Rockaway he's gonna tell you the truth. You may not like what he hears, but I have a colleague who is a nerve and hand specialist who would be perfect for your daughter to meet. This guy, on his own dollar, flies to Mozambique every year. Maybe it's every couple of years now with the pandemic, you know, but I think he even still went. I don't know how he did it. And he goes there to go into the jungle, basically, because there's no doctors in this particular area of Africa, and he saves kids. He saves their hands. He, he's amazing. He's, wow. uh, he's a, as we say in Yiddish, he's a gutta neshama. He's really a, a soulful, beautiful guy who surfs, by the way, so I love him even more. But if anybody can figure out what to do to help your daughter, she's got a whole life ahead of her, uh, it's him. Yeah. So you got a pencil? You, I'm going to give you his name. He's at Cedar's. And his name is David Culber, K-U-L-B-E-R. Call him. You tell him uh, you're a weekend warrior. He'll get all excited. And uh, you you need to bring your daughter. Get on the 10 and go west. That's all I can do in terms of giving directions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And bring a chocolate cake with you.
3: I will. She's a walking miracle doctor, and she's my inspiration. So well, you know, just well, God bless to talk you. Talk about these women today is awesome.
4: So, yeah, I got, you, a, doctor. I got a daughter also, so I know exactly how you feel, John and Hesperia. Bring a chocolate cake for the staff. Everybody will love to meet you and your daughter. And David Coble will take good care of you and figure out what's going on if it can be helped. That's the guy I would take my own daughter to. And thanks so much for calling. Awesome. Hey, listen, do me a favor, you, John. Doctor. You're a total stranger. Yeah. I just helped you. I want you today. I want you to find a total stranger. You do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me.
3: All right. You got it, Doc. That's right. the
4: deal. All right. God bless you. Talk soon. All right, Warriors. Take a break. We did a long segment with uh, Arnell McAtee, so I got to make up the time now. We'll take a break. We'll come back. I want to tell you the secret to that chili and tell you what we're going to be doing next week, which is a fascinating subject. I can't wait to get the sound bites together for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I I think I'm the biggest fan of the show. It's nice to have all the Weekend Warriors, but I'm the biggest fan of the show because I know I'm going to be talking about something. I don't quite know what that's going to be, but I'm going to talk about it. And I know who my guest is next week, and it's exciting because he'll be calling in from Bakersfield. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN holy emoji clap man weekend warriors on
1: facebook holy slip disc that's right robin hear listeners talk about their aches and pains holy hamstrings along with doc's clapper vision breathe deeply and advice to callers
3: on your toes robin
1: so like follow and enjoy a wise decision the weekend warrior facebook page frankly i can think of nothing
5: more stimulating Hey, what's up? It's LZ. Look, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Hey, Robbie,
4: do you like donuts?
5: Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
4: I love donuts.
5: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
4: Weekend Warriors. Now why would Steve Paulette be playing the Beatles and Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band? Because the bass player for the Beatles was Paul McCartney. And Paul McCartney in this song gives full credit to the bass playing he heard played by Carol Kay, when she played for the Beach Boys in Pet Sounds, that whole album, that album, Pet Sounds, inspired the Beatles, they fully admit, to make Sgt. Pepper. So look at the connection that this Carol Kay had as a 13-year-old starting to play guitar in these strip clubs ultimately becoming a woman playing on over 10,000 recordings. What a life. And its I feel terrible that I just had to discover this this week. So I can't toot her horn enough because of how special she is. By the way, stay tuned at 9 o'clock. It's L.A. Gridiron Weekly with our favorite football player, Kirk Morrison, talking all things L.A. football. It's coming up next. What a great job he does. I can't get enough football. None of us can. And How exciting it's going to be for the Rams this year. And you're listening to 710 ESPN, the home of the L.A. Rams. Now it's time to reveal what I found is the secret behind another trailblazer who's a woman. You've lived in L.A. You're near L.A. You could even be John in Hesperia. Get in the car and drive on the 10 west and come to La Brea and Melrose. Come to the hot dog stand that's been there since 1939. It's called Pink's, not because of the color. It's called Pink's because it's Betty Pink's place. She and her husband started as a little hot dog stand knowing that this would be a good spot because the studios are here and they got to eat lunch. But they struggled in the beginning until Betty Pink came up. My mouth is watering already because I had this yesterday. Betty Pink came up with a secret chili recipe for the chili dog. Now, it's not like they've revealed it. So you have to, I went on YouTube and people have like cooks and chefs trying to decipher what's in there. And someone feels that they've come up with a secret ingredient because this is what it tastes like, so I'm gonna reveal it. My mouth is, I can't even speak. You take a pound of chopped meat, you have all the chili peppers, the cayenne, the this, the that, the onions, whatever it is that they put in there. They use four tablespoons to a pound of chopped meat of flour, all-purpose flour. But guess what the extra tablespoon is? the fifth tablespoon, masa flour, corn flour. So just like Arnell McAtee talked about with the cashew butter and this and that, how she's looking for tapioca flour. Yeah, that's the secret. I'm not sophisticated enough to tell. I do know this, the chili on top of that hot dog is like no other chili. And maybe that's what it is. Treat yourself. I'm a doctor, all right? I guess I'm supposed to tell you not to eat these things. I'm giving you permission. You want to treat yourself and have a chili dog. And that hot dog, by the way, you bite into it, it, it snaps because of the casing, the natural casing. You put some chopped onions they'll give you on it, a little mustard. Just close your eyes when you bite that, that hot dog, that chili dog. I'm telling you, you'll need a cup of coffee and a cigarette. Two other things I shouldn't tell you to have, and I'm a doctor. But it is orgasmic to eat a Pink's Chili Dog. Next week, my guest, calling in from Bakersfield, the great David Rosen, who used to be down here at Delco Tires. What is he doing in Bakersfield? He's fixing for farmers farm equipment. He's customizing farm equipment. I don't know the first thing about this. But I know one thing, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Shad Khan, made billions of dollars. He's one of the richest men in the world and in America. That's why he owns that football team. He was a Pakistani immigrant, came to the University of Illinois in 1967, got a job as a dishwasher, otherwise he couldn't pay the rent or feed himself, and became a billionaire. Why? Because he customized bumpers for farmers, for their pickup trucks. Wait till you hear the story. You talk about an American dream. Shad Khan is the American dream. We're going to talk about his story in sports, as well as farm equipment in music. Can't wait. Until then, I'll see you on the radio, and I leave you with Volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. Thanks for joining Steve and me every Saturday on The Weekend Warrior Show.